Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia speaking with Robert Hellenius, of course, coming off the big victory against Adam Kovnaski the second time out. Robert, we're a few days removed from the big fight. How are you feeling right now? I'm I'm good, thank you. I'm I'm very happy and uh, glad to go back home. Um, uh, I miss my kids and family. And and I appreciate your time. I know you're in between flights right now, flying back home. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the first fight with Kovnaski, it was in March of 2020. It was right. I was there live at Barclays Center. Uh, it was right before the pandemic hit. And you won by not, uh, technical knockout in the fourth round. How tough was it to have that big victory and then have to go into a global pandemic shortly after and, and kind of stop the momentum there? Yeah, I thought I lost the momentum a, a bit there. But uh, uh, we live in, on an island with only 25,000 people. So we don't have that bad of a pandemic. Plus, I have my own gym. So so we were in the gym all the time. Uh, I, I My life was perfectly normal in where I live so I didn't have any any issues with that so I could keep in shape and and uh, everything was for me was perfect but of course I would have liked to fought him sooner but uh, it is what it is and so you did have to wait until this moment uh, for the rematch and and I know that you train in the Oland Islands which is a remote area as you mentioned um, so it's good that you were able to stay safe during during the pandemic. Um, in preparing for the rematch, uh, the first time around, we know that Kovnaski is a volume guy and you were able to catch him and, and really slow him down. Did you make any adjustments in preparing for him in the rematch? Yeah, well, I, I had a long preparing time. I had had nothing else in my mind. I had a tunnel vision for this fight for over two years now. So uh, I've been doing everything to beat him and uh, preparing for him, doing better footwork, being faster and more explosive. And I knew he was a volume puncher from the first fight on. So, uh, but this time I threw more punches than him. You did, and and you certainly blunted his volume. It it seemed like even from the first bell, he wasn't able to get off the way he wanted. No, because um, the, uh, my, 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 my plan was, I told my trainer just before we went in the ring, I'm going to take him back to the same place he was in the last round uh, in March 2020. And, and that's, that's what I was going to ask you. It seemed as if it was almost just the fifth round of the, the first fight. It, it seemed like he couldn't get off. What, were you, what did you do early on to just, just stop him from getting going? Well, uh, I, I caught him with a left hook and uh, a left uppercut, and then I just uh, thought I, I will throw a couple of uh, really hard combinations at him, and uh, he was uh, stunned early in the first round. So I think he uh, mentally, uh, for him, he, when he had never lost before and he got knocked out in, in March 2020, so I knew he was mentally unstable because if he's gonna get bust again uh, in the in the early rounds he's gonna not want to be there and and it seemed uh, you know that that's what was happening you won every round on every scorecard um did you just notice you know after your early attack was working and you blunted his offense it, it seemed like he had no response how, how did it feel for you being in there did, did you feel like you were in control the entire way through yeah 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 it uh uh, in the end of the first round, uh, I, uh, 
started because I, I bust him again in the end of the first round. Uh, so I, I started to throw punches really widely. So the second round, I took a little bit uh, a step back, like just uh, jabbing him and stuff. But uh, of course, keeping keeping the distance and, and keeping the dominance uh, going. But uh, yeah, uh, it felt good uh, through the whole fight. I felt confident and, and uh, I was much faster and, and better on my feet this time around. So uh, I felt good. Yeah, you, you, you absolutely dominated the whole way. The other storyline, of course, in this fight was the low blows. Um, he was warned once early, then a point was taken off. Eventually, uh, it, it seemed to be a DQ. Um, wh what did you think about the low blows there? He's not a dirty fighter, and, and when they stopped it, he said he's tall. So him, him, you know, him saying, you know, I, I can't, maybe it's, it's a reach thing. What did you think of the, the low blows? Yeah, I don't put much value in it. I I knew he was mentally broken after after he got, especially in the fifth round, he he got hammered by me. So I understood that he 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 did want to go out on his shield. So you know, that's probably his way to to say enough is enough. And, and the, the fight, uh, it was waved off. The referee told him, I'm going to disqualify you. But then it was announced as a TKO win. Now, it certainly could be a TKO because you were absolutely disturbed. It Yeah, it should have been a TKO maybe in the fifth round already. You know, he was really, really, really badly hurt. And, and that's that's what I was thinking that, you know, if it is a, T, a DQ, it kind of takes away a knockout from you because you, you certainly were dominating him enough to get a knockout. Would you like to see it if it's not officially changed to a TKO? Would you like to see it officially changed to a TKO? Of course, of course, of course. And and so now the question becomes, uh, what what is next for you? You obviously saw a great show after your fight in two, uh, two heavyweights. Um, what, who do you who do you want to fight next? Well, uh, 2020 March, it was already uh, mandatory, WBA mandatory. So I'm hoping to, to get a title shot against, uh, I think, who is holding the WBA. Would you, you want to take on Alexander Usyk? Whoever uh, has the belt at the time. But uh, I, I'm mandatory, so I should be next up. And and right now the belt holders we know are Usyk and and Tyson Fury. You saw the fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder is an epic fight. What what were your thoughts uh, of watching Fury and Wilder? Yeah, it, it was an interesting fight. Uh, they both threw, threw a lot of punches and got tired, and and uh, it was a it was a good trilogy fight. And with that said, uh, would you want a chance uh, to take on Tyson Fury? And, and how do you see that fight playing out if you were given that opportunity? If I would give, uh, be given that opportunity in the shape I'm now, I would beat him. Robert Hellenius, I want to thank you so much for the time. I know you have to catch a flight back home. Uh, gr great performance on Saturday night. Get home safe, and I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you very much. I am Karin Bhatia speaking with Cletus Selden, a.k.a. the Hebrew Hammer. Cletus, how are you doing, my man? All right. Fight week's here, and, you know, it's nice and relaxed. You know, it's nice and relaxed and calm down time. So I'm pretty pumped with that. Uh, pretty pumped and excited for this whole week to 
turn into what's going to turn to be a big fight. And we're coming off such an epic fight, so it's a great time for boxing. And we're rolling it on to Saturday night, October 16th. Cletus Selden, you are taking on William Silva. This is going to be at Barclay Center. It's going to be on Triller. Um, how did this fight come together? Because my understanding was you were training for a fight later in October. We know that Lopez Cambosis fell apart uh, in terms of being on Triller. And I'm guessing they came to you and offered you this opportunity. Is that what happened? Exactly. Uh, I was training for the I was training for a September bout, but my uh, opponent wasn't able to uh, participate, so that got postponed for that. And then they put me on the Joe Smith card, so I was really excited. And then that he got COVID, so uh, we had the opponent ready, set, and handled for the for the Smith card. And then next thing you know, they're like, "Hey, um, I'm literally was just hanging out," and they're like, "Hey, we got to fight for you." Uh, the the Balboza, I mean, the uh, Tiafimo Lopez card is out, and I was like, let's do it, let's do it, and uh, that was it. You know, the fight was literally a couple weeks from earlier, which is not the greatest thing, but honestly, uh, I took an opportunity, and I want to take uh, full advantage of it. And you will have that opportunity on Saturday night. Now, your opponent, uh, William Silva, he's 28-3, and he's at 16 knockouts. Um, how are you preparing for this opponent? Because he, he's a tall man, he's six foot one and a half. Uh, you're listed at five seven. So how were, how will you overcome uh, the height difference in this fight? Uh, if you look through my career, usually the taller guys are the ones that I usually knock out uh, every single time because they're a little bit taller and I, I fight out of my crouch. So uh, for this fight, we have uh, Westbury Boxing. They have a nice uh, variety of amateur boxers that are pretty tall, and they fight from 152, 160. They're right right in that little range there. So I've been working with those guys, and it's been fantastic this entire time. And so you're on the record, your official prediction for Saturday night would be what? Oh, I'm knocking you out. You know, I get you know, I'm trying to get that bonus. <laughs> and do is that do you think it's gonna come early, late? What what are you thinking? Uh usually my pressure, usually two and a half rounds and then probably the fourth round. All right. Well, we heard it here first. Um, in terms of Triller, uh, we know the situation. Uh, it was well publicized with, with Teofimo and Cambosis and, and that experience. Um, how has your experience been working with Triller? It's been lovely. I, uh, great. The interviews, uh, the, whole, the whole realm of it, Starbucks and uh, being part of it. And uh, everything's been the best. It's been better than HBO, basically. And in the past, uh, we've seen you in there against top opposition. Uh, you had a loss to Eves Ulysses. Uh, this was in December of 2017. You were knocked down a few times. Um, he, he had a lot of really good movement in that fight. What did you learn uh, from that loss? Um, not to fight three fights in 11 weeks. That's probably the biggest one. Uh, that was right after that. I got Tommy John surgery right after that fight. And that's one of the worst injuries in all of sports. Baseball players usually got it. I was the first boxer to ever get that. And I also started working with a lot of uh, speed training instructors, as well as doing a lot of hot yoga. I do hot yoga five days a week now to keep my body nice and loose. And since that time, uh, you've been 4-0, and all of them coming by way of knockout, a lot of those very early knockouts. Um, but you, your last fight was in February of 2020, right before the pandemic. So how difficult was it for you, uh, for the momentum there to just be halted, 4-0, four, four knockouts, and then obviously we know what happened with the global pandemic. Uh, it's kind of very um, 
draining on, on, on a lot of people. But for me, I fought the Zab Judah fight, and then I got shoulder surgery after that fight. So leading into the, uh, the 2020 pandemic after fighting in February, being basically the last fight that was in New York, was like, all right, you know, it's a layoff. I'm, I'm recovering from my injury. But I didn't think it was going to be 19 months uh, off time. And the good thing for me was I was able to train for that September bout because that, you know, I didn't realize there's a big difference between six months and 19 months from, from surgery to pandemic. I was like, bro, we have a problem here. So we had to put a lot of work and effort. And I worked extremely hard to, to be able to get in shape for that fight. And then the rest from this fight and that fight was like, Everything I could ever ask for, I felt great going back to the gym. And in terms of your career, um, two questions: what What are your overall goals in the sport? What do you hope to achieve? And 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 the other part of it is, how long do you intend to keep boxing? You're 35 years old now. You've been boxing at a high level professionally for over a decade now. So so what's the what's the future look like for you? I would love to fight for at least one world championship in my life. I, I never thought of myself as somebody that's going out there, but I'm also a very entertaining uh, fighter so that my style can actually proceed, you know, from 140 to 147 and the big names. And for me, the most important thing and the reason I stayed in boxing was I just want to be able to afford and buy my house. I just want to buy a house, officially own it, no payments. I own this house. You know, my parents been working their entire lives. They don't own their house yet. And it was something that I always, deep down, I put 10 years into the sport. So all I want from the sport is to be able to afford for my own and buy and be like, hey, that's my house. And uh, with this fight, uh, this is going to be in Brooklyn at Barclays Center. Obviously, you're from New York. I mean, what do you think this crowd is going to be like supporting you on Saturday night? Oh, man, it's my favorite thing. The hammerheads are coming out. It's going to be off the charts. Uh, they usually call it like hammer holiday from when I fight. And everybody comes out from Eastern Long Island. I know everybody from the Brooklyn side is going to come out. Uh, the Jewish community, everybody who's looking for a banger of a show. And it's on Triller who has a who puts it like boxing here. And then on top of that, it's like it's it's everything you could ask for. I'm, I'm so happy and proud that this uh and and grateful that this opportunity fell into my lap and I was able to to to, to be able to proceed for this. And in terms of you know what you want to achieve in, in your career, I mean, this has to be one of the more important fights of your career because you had the layoff uh, due to the pandemic. Um, you are headlining on Triller. There's going to be musical acts on that same night on Saturday. There's going to be another uh, versus battle on Sunday. So it's a jam-packed weekend and, and you're headlining. So is there a little bit of extra pressure there that compared to a regular fight? I don't know, because I've been on the other end of it. Like, you know, I've been on HBO back-to-back months. I've traveled all over the place. And to me, I guess when you're there, it may hit you then. But as of right now, I'm just fighting as if I'm fighting my regular fight, as, as, as I always did. Um, good thing is I don't know any of the, uh, the, the artists' names, and I don't know too many of the, to the guys that are even on the card, to where I'm like, you know, it's just my regular show like I normally put on. And not to look ahead of this fight, but assuming you are successful on October 16th, um, is there an opponent that, that you have in mind? Maybe someone like with a big name that you want either at the end of this year or in 2022? I will fight anybody at 140 to 147. Uh, any of the champions that are out there, I would hope for the Josh Taylor Ramirez unified that title and I'll just fight one of them. I'll take all four of the belts and be like, all right, you know, this is pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty easy this way. And then, you know, at 147, I've 
uh, Crawford and all those guys that nobody wants to fight, I'm always open to do that. You know, these guys, 140 pounders moving up. They're not bigger guys than I am. And, and that was my other question for you. I know you're, this fight is at 140. You've campaigned at 140 for a long time, but you've also moved up to welterweight. So are you, is your plan to kind of go back and forth or do you plan to mostly campaign at 140 unless a big opportunity comes up at welterweight? Because I'm so big and strong, 140 was always the high side for, for me and, and Pete Brodsky, my manager and trainer, to like, all right, let's work our way down to 140 and just be the bigger, bolder guy. But if an opportunity came... And just was like this, just showing up saying, hey, we got a 147 bout. Uh, this was going to happen actually recently with the Adrian Brona. His opponent fell out and then they're going to need a 147 guy. And I said, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, the only thing was the uh, the purse issue. And then that was then the But I would have been a great fight. I would have definitely knocked the Brona out so bad. We'll, we'll see if that fight uh, ever comes together. So uh, final question. It's going to be on Saturday, October 16th. It's on Triller, Fight TV. Uh, it's at the Barclays Center. What would be your final message to your fans and, and your supporters? Everyone who has seen my fights always knows I come with an exciting, impactful style, very entertaining. I punch extremely hard. They call me the hammer for a reason because I punch extremely hard. And I always said it even when I put on the small shows uh, at the Paramount, if you bring just one person, just bring one person, the next time they'll bring two or three. And this time you just got to just just body event, show up, and I guarantee you it's going to be a nice bloodbath and everything you ever wanted to see from some fine athletes. And you got a great show with the entertainment from the, uh, the rap battle going on as well. It's a night full of entertainment. Saturday, October 16th. It's on Triller, Fight TV. Uh, it's at the Barclays Center. Cletus Selden, best of luck to you, and I hope to chat with you soon. All right, thank you. Have a great day. I am Karen Batia speaking to George Jakovic. George, how you doing? I'm great, Karen. How are you? I hope after all these years I pronounced your name correctly, at least. You did. I would have told you you did, but yes, you were flawless. You're always flawless with your pronunciations. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. So we had, of course, Fury Wilder 3, epic, one of the best fights of all time. Um, you worked in a lot of the pre-programming for this. Uh, so you saw these guys up close. You saw a lot of tape. What did you think was going to happen in this fight? Well, you know, um, there's a, there's an old phrase that as the heavyweights go, so goes boxing. And boxing has proven that that's not always the case because the lighter weights have there have been stretches where they've dominated um, boxing. But man, when when the heavyweights are going good, that just makes the sport so much better. And to be honest. Um, I didn't expect the fight that happened. You know, every fighter says they're in the best shape of their life. Um, they're going to put the best, their best, it's going to be the best fight they've ever had. Doesn't always come to fruition. But what can you say? I mean, the heart that both guys showed, you know, for a guy to get up off the deck like Wilder did and fight back and then for Fury to do the same thing. I mean, it was a great night for boxing. It was a great night for boxing fans. And I think it was a great night for both the fighters. I remember once, uh, this must have been in 2011, we were having lunch at the HBO cafeteria and it was before the uh, Vladimir Klitschko versus David Hay fight. And we were all excited because it was a big heavyweight fight. Uh, we were going out to Germany. And I, I remember at lunch, you were like, you were like, oh, wouldn't it be great if like both these guys knock each other down, they trade knockdowns in an exciting fight. And of course that didn't happen at all in that fight. Um, but that stuck with me. It's like, 
that doesn't happen that much at a championship level where they, where guys like trade knockdowns and get up and keep fighting. Um, so it was kind of crazy to see that, right? To see how back and forth it was with the knockdowns. It really was. You know, someone uh, in all the articles that have been written about it, someone said you couldn't have scripted the fight any better. And it's true. I mean, it was like a Hollywood script. Usually when a guy goes down, you know, especially with the heavyweights, they have a tendency to stay down. Um, but it was really like a movie and it was just an exciting night and such a, a great fight. And, you know, again, as a, as a fan, you just feel great after nights like this. It really lived up and it's good because it seems like when mainstream sports fans tune into boxing so often they are disappointed and you know, a lot of mainstream fans, uh, tuned into this and we're not disappointed um so let's talk about the fight so wilder comes out he had malik scott new trainer and the plan it seemed like was to work behind the jab he came out with like two or three jabs right away um but here's the thing like i, I was looking into uh wilder's success that he had against the first time he fought Bermain Stavern, and in that fight he worked behind the jab and moved and I, and I thought that would be something that he would maybe bring into this trilogy fight now, in that fight versus Stavern, I looked it up. He landed 120 jabs throughout the fight. That was a 12-round fight, okay? In this fight with Fury, Wilder only landed nine jabs. And that's not in a round. That was in the entire fight. So I wonder if he – I don't know if he betrayed the game plan or that wasn't part of the game plan. It seemed like for those few opening seconds, him coming out behind the jab, it kind of seemed like it was working. I know that was only a small uh, sample size. What do you think about Wilder's game plan in this fight? You're right. I thought he was going to use the jab a lot more. And against Stiverne, I mean, you look back at that fight and he, that, that night, he looked like he was, he was really evolving into a complete fighter, not just a guy with a right hand. Um, you know, a lot of times guys try to change their styles, but inevitably they revert back to what they were. Um, when Tyson was later in his career, he was he was famous for his head movement when he was young. He was he you couldn't hit Mike Tyson when he was young. As he got older, he turned into a slugger. In many of his fights later in his career, he would bob and weave for about 30 seconds. And then he was in destruct mode where he just tried to take your head off. You know, Wilder came out and, and jabbed to the body. Um, he looked like that was going to be the plan. I thought he won the first round. And he reverted back to what he was and he's he's a guy that swings for the fences and that's what he did he reverted back to 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 what he was I mean it's hard to change your whole style as a fighter and unfortunately like the Stavern fight it really again it really looked like he was becoming an all-around fighter he started to really knock guys out as a heavyweight champion and he just you know he he relied on that right hand and you know he he is what he is but it was a great fight but yes i thought the jab was going to be um a part of his arsenal and it was the first round and then it was gone mike tyson said everyone has a plan till they get hit in the mouth he got knocked down he went back to looking for the right hand now that's not to say he didn't have success with that right hand um which now it's being reported uh, that Malik Scott is saying that Wilder actually uh, broke his hand or broke his finger. Um, so we don't know when that happened or how much that affected him. Um, but let me ask you this. 
the favorite was Tyson Fury because of what he did in the second fight. And he bulked up even more and you figured he was going to kind of do what he, what he wanted to do. People were putting money though on Wilder. Someone at the post-fight press conferences asked uh, Bob Arum, they said 80% of the money was going on Wilder. Now, I don't know if that's true, but in a way that makes sense because Wilder was the underdog and you can get more value if you bet on the underdog, right? You get a better price um, for your money. There was another report that someone at the last minute came in and, and placed a $50 million bet on Deontay Wilder. I don't know if that's true and I don't know how that person's doing uh, today. Someone should, che- should check on them. So, uh, but there was money on Wilder. Mayweather. Was it Mayweather? It, been, it, it might, might have been Floyd Mayweather. So let me ask you this. When that third round... Uh, when Fury got the first knockdown on Wilder. Uh, did you think it was over at that point? Did you think that Wilder was basically going to be done at that point? He was hurt. And, you know, he took such a beating in that second fight that, you know, I I didn't think the fight was going to last too much longer. Um, but I think that what might have happened was at that point, Fury might have gotten a little cocky and forgotten that Wilder still has that power. And, um, you know, Wilder showed it wasn't over in, in the very next round. And that, and that was my next question. I mean, Wilder getting up and then knocking down Fury twice. We've seen Fury go down before. And it, I, I tweeted this. It's crazy that in this trilogy, Fury has gotten up twice from the canvas in two different fights. Two out of the three fights, he was knocked down twice, and he's never lost in this trilogy. Um, what did you think about those knockdowns in, in round four? And, and was there any part of you that said Tyson Fury may not get up? Yeah, I mean, whatever. There's a lot of people who don't like Deontay Wilder based on his excuses that he had in his last fight, but you can never say that the guy doesn't have heart. Or, or, or talent or, or guts. When he landed that first right hand that had Fury wobbling and Fury went down, he got up, he looked okay. But that second knockdown, I think if Wilder may have landed one or two more right hands, the fight might have been over. Um, you know, like you said, the heart that these guys show from getting up it it was it was incredible and yes i thought fury was wilder was was a punch away from regaining the heavyweight championship he never found that punch he never found that punch and fury used his size he was leaning on wilder he was kind of putting him in a headlock um and then fury knocked him knocked him down again uh in round 10 and then around 11 when it was called um what did you think about the end of the fight? Uh, it was waved off by Russell Mora, as it definitely should have been. Uh, I heard somewhere that Wilder said he felt like he could have continued. It didn't seem that way. Um, wh- what did you th- What did you make of the the end of the fight there? I mean, I thought that it was a good stoppage. Um, Wilder, for the maybe from round eight on, looked dead on his feet, and I was surprised that it went into the, into the eleventh. Something Wilder, you know, he put on, I don't know, 20 some odd pounds since the first fight. Um, look great. Wilder doesn't run in his camps. Um, and it looked like he just, you can have all the muscles and bench press all the weight you want. It doesn't mean you have endurance. And Wilder, look, I wasn't in his camp. He had a professor, Malik Scott, who, who looks like he's rounding in to be a really good trainer. He had Malik Scott with him. 
they had their game plan. They knew what they were doing, but from the outside, he just, his stamina looked like it was a big issue. And you talk about the Stavern fight, the Stavern fight now, it's a different fighter. Stavern is not Tyson Fury, but Wilder's stamina seemed so much better earlier in his career. And I was surprised, well, maybe I wasn't that surprised, but he had just such a lack of stamina those last few rounds. And look, I, I, I heard uh, Jerry Cooney earlier on a on his radio program on Sirius, and he was upset with the stoppage. He said, "You know, it's a heavyweight fight. You know, the guy's got to be given a chance." I think it was a good stoppage, and Jerry Cooney's always going to be on the side of the fighters, you know. And I get it, but um, I think it was a good stoppage. Even if you are on the the side of a fighter, I mean, if you get knocked down as many times as as he did there, I mean, you you need to save this guy from himself there. And I think it was definitely a good stoppage. You mentioned the weight jump for Wilder. I have it in front of me here. For the first Tyson Fury fight, this was in 2018, he weighed in at 212 and a half pounds. For the second one in 2020, it was 231. And then this one was his career high of 238. So let me ask you this. In a way, it was almost like what I was saying before the fight was what Fury did the second fight was he figured out Wilder in a way. And it's, you know, traditionally we used to say like a brawler versus a counterpuncher. The counterpuncher is going to figure the fighter out and have success in the second fight. And then probably again, if they ever fight again, um, in a way it's, it's different styles, but it's almost like Fury figured out if he bulks up really big, he can kind of walk through Wilder and, and kind of bully him, be the bigger man and knock him out versus what he tried to do in the first fight and outbox him and move. Um, so if they ever fought again, uh, not that anyone is, is, is asking to see that next by any means, but if they ever did fight again, is there anything Deontay Wilder can do different to ever beat Tyson Fury? Or is it just the fact that Tyson Fury is a more skilled boxer, he's a bigger man, and that style is always going to cause Deontay Wilder trouble? There's probably nothing he can do now, especially after taking you know those two losses. He took so much punishment in those fights. Um, so I, you know... I, if he somehow revamped his training program and, and had more stamina, because remember in that first fight, which was a draw, um, Wilder was 212 pounds. And I know Tyson got heavier as the fight, as the fights went on, but besides that, you know, that was maybe Wilder's best performance of the three fights. The third fight was certainly the most thrilling, but the first fight was probably his best performance against Tyson Fury. Um, at this stage of his career, I, I don't think he's going to do anything different. We were supposed to see a new, a brand new uh, Deontay Wilder for this fight. He was going to jab and go to the body. And, you know, we didn't really see that. We saw a guy who has a hell of a right hand. And if he lands it, he can knock you out. And he did land it, but he didn't win the fight. So I would hope they didn't fight again. But look, it's boxing and anything can happen. And you know, who knows what happens a year or two down the line. But Wilder, if I'm not mistaken, he's 35, 36 years old. So, you know, time is not on his side. And and to your point, I'm looking at the final punch stats here uh, provided by CompuBox. So I mentioned earlier that there was a total of nine jabs landed for Wilder through the entire fight. Tyson Fury landed 36. And if you look at total punches landed, Wilder landed only 11 to the body. Um, Fury did land 19 to the body, um, and he basically doubled uh, Wilder through the entire fight. Fury landed 150 uh, punches through the entire fight. Uh, Wilder landed 72. Um, so you mentioned Wilder 
his age. Uh, and now he's been in a couple tough fights here. He had this fight. He had the fight before with Tyson Fury. He had this, the Luis Ortiz first fight. Um, he's been in, he's been in there where it hasn't just been go in there and knock a guy out. Right. He's gone through a couple of uh, battles here, a couple of wars. If you were advising Deontay Wilder, would you tell him to, uh, to hang up the gloves and call it a career? I mean, you have to really know what his mindset is. Um, he's, he's a success story. You know, he didn't have much experience. He became an Olympian. He won a bronze medal, you know, and he became a, a champion and he started in the game very late. He's a, a, a multimillionaire. He's got a family. So, you know, you'd have to really be on the inside to know what his mindset is. Does he really want to do this anymore? Because, you know, this is a sport that we know if you're, if you have one foot out as you're fighting, bad things can happen. So, you know, it's, he, he is a grown man who can make his own decisions and he's entitled to make his own decisions. Um, you know, as a fan, he's exciting to watch, but you'd have to really be embedded in his camp to, to make that kind of decision, whether or not you would advise him to fight. Look, he's, he seems to be healthy. Again, he's made money. He's, he's, he has a legacy in the sport. So what more can he do? He said his goal going into this fight was he wanted to get all the belts. I mean, it, it seems very unlikely that that's going to happen now. After the fight happened, uh, I tweeted that any combination of Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, or Usyk, any of those guys fighting each other, to me, I would want to watch it. Um, Deontay Wilder obviously will need to get a lot of rest if his hand or finger is broken. That's going to take a lot of time. Uh, mentally, he might need a lot of time uh, to come back from this. Uh, Tyson Fury definitely deserves some time to, to rest, celebrate. Um, but he's going to want to make sure that he stays active because we know what happened when he beat Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, mental health kind of took over. He ballooned up in weight and, and not consistently training. Uh, was a tough thing for him at that time. Uh, so we'll see what he does next. We know that Joshua has triggered the immediate rematch clause with Usyk. So we suspect that Joshua will take on Usyk again in the rematch sometime soon. Um, so with that said, uh, if you were the manager for Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder and they were both going to continue their careers and, and keep fighting, who would you want them to fight next? I mean... You know, I would the, the the big money. Well, the big money fight would have been Fury and Joshua. It was the fight everyone thought we were going to see until the courts took over and Deontay Wilder got this shot. Um, you know, right now, if you told me that Anthony Joshua was going to fight Deontay Wilder next instead of Usyk, I'll pay money to see that. I would pay money to see that fight. You know, he's going to fight Usyk again. Um, for, for Tyson Fury, Roy Jones said that the one fight that should not be made in boxing would be Tyson Fury and Usyk because of their styles. It wasn't a shot against either fighter, just their, their styles wouldn't mesh to make a good fight. Um, but these guys want belts. They want to be unified champions. So we have to see Usyk and Joshua again. But I would love to see Fury against Joshua. Um, I would like to see Fury against Usyk. Sorry, Roy. I mean, it's it's for all the belts. And look, Deontay Wilder is always going to make an exciting fight. But 
I don't know if if I was his manager. Again, you'd have to see where his head is. Um, I honestly don't know who I'd want to see him in there with next, but I would pay to see him in it and uh, Anthony Joshua. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many interesting matchups possible. Uh, I, I mean, I guess Tyson Fury will sit back and see what happens between the Joshua Usyk fight. If Usyk wins, uh, then maybe we can make that fight uh, just to have that undisputed four belt champion, which hasn't happened in the, in the modern four belt era in heavyweight. Um, or maybe uh, if Joshua wins, I don't know if Usyk has a rematch clause in that fight to say now we have to have a third fight. Um, so there's there's so many things unknown. The other part of it is I still think all of those fights are really interesting because we know in boxing styles make fights. So it's not like if A beats B and B beats C, that C will necessarily right. beat A. And you could just look at uh, Adam Kovnowski and Robert Hellenius. Uh, Kovnowski knocked out Gerald Washington. Gerald Washington knocked out Hellenius. Hellenius knocked out Kovnowski. Now we know twice. So it, it really could be a style thing. Um, and so I guess let's let's see what happens. But in terms of this epic fight from a historical sense, I, I know that that you uh, have seen so many big heavyweight fights um, and trilogies. Of course, Ali Frazier comes to mind, heavyweights, trilogies at the highest level. Um, we've, we've heard about other fights like Foreman Lyle. And another fight in recent memory that was an epic fight was Anthony Joshua versus Vladimir Klitschko, one of the best uh, heavyweight fights of all time. And that's another fight where they traded knockdowns um, and it ended late. Um, in, in an, it ended late in a stoppage. So where does this fight, Fury Wilder 3, rank for you in terms of those all-time epic heavyweight fights? I mean, as far as fights I've seen, it's one of the most exciting heavyweight fights, heavyweight title fights I've ever seen. You know, Holyfield Bowl 1, uh, while it didn't have all those knockdowns, Holyfield was knocked down, but it had, you know, momentum shifting back and forth, and both guys just, you know... what. What makes what made this fight special is that they really they put it on the line, and it doesn't always happen, especially in big big fights. And both guys did this. Um, you know, if Deontay Wilder would have stayed down on that first knockdown, people would have said, "Well, yeah, he's he's washed up. he's washed up. He took a beating in that second fight, and he's done." But he got back up, and he knocked Fury down twice. If if Fury stayed down, it would have been just this incredible comeback of Deontay Wilder on the the brink of destruction and he comes back, but Fury got up and he fought back and, you know, they went into the 11th and it was just such a fun fight. Just you pay your money for these fights and you hope you get a, a good fight. I don't think anyone expected what happened on Saturday night, but it was just, it was one of the most exciting heavyweight fights that I've heavyweight title fights that I've ever had a chance to see. Um, man, what a, what a great night. Again, you pay your money. You want to see something good. And the whole card was actually entertaining. And what was great about this was the, the most entertaining fight was the one fight you paid for that, that main event. So it was a great fight, Karen. It was a great fight. We know that the great Emmanuel Stewart said uh, during Gotti Ward, he said, you dream of fights like this, and this is even more than you could have dreamed. And that was probably applicable to Fury Wilder three um, as well. So yeah, it, no, it absolutely was uh, an epic night. W one more thing about it is, uh, you know, we've talked about the issues that that the sport of boxing has had uh, for so long. One of the biggest issues is fragmentation, and there's just different people with different promoters and different networks, and they're not working together. And if you look at what happened here, it was Fox, PBC, 
Deontay Wilder and ESPN top rank Tyson Fury. And they're coming together. Uh, they're working together for this massive event. Um, we know the third fight was contractually obligated and, and you know, Fury had other plans, but at the end of the day, they all worked it out. Programming that we both worked on was on both Fox and ESPN, which is great. Um, the announcers was like a hybrid for the best of the best from both. So that's something that, you know, hopefully people can look at and say, Hey, why don't we do more of this reward the fans, make big events, make a lot of money, but also give a great product. Um, what do you think about that as a concept promoters and networks working together and anything else you want to add that, that, you know, the sport of boxing can do to hopefully have more events like this. You know, it's, it's pretty simple. Boxing fans want to see great fights. That's, that's all. They, they don't care who's with what promoter, who's with what network. It's a pretty simple, in theory, a simple equation. You put the best fighters against each other. You're going to, sometimes you're going to get great fights. Um, you know, it's been done throughout history. You know, ESPN and Fox did it. Showtime and HBO back in the day, they did it several times for big money fights. It can work. Um, unfortunately, there's, you know, there, there's politics and there's greed, but hey, look at Saturday night. Gee, look what happened when you have these two, two top heavyweights fight each other on different networks with different promoters. They put on a fight that people can't stop talking about. So you would hope that the powers that be learn from this and that it keeps hap- that it happens more in the future. But, you know, this is boxing and um, there's not much logic when it comes to boxing, but when the best fight the best, you, sometimes special things can happen. Absolutely. And uh, let's hope the best continue to find the be- to fight the best. So just to close it out, uh, we had this epic fight, but we do have more boxing on the calendar. We have big names. We have Canelo Alvarez versus Caleb Plant. That's going to be an undisputed mm-hmm. fight at 168. Triple G is coming back at the end of the year. Um, he's almost 40 years old, but he's still, uh, you know, one of the top fighters in the game. Um, Joshua Usyk, as we mentioned, is another big one. Hopefully Teofimo Lopez versus Cambosis can happen. Um, and there's so many other fights, uh, on this schedule, anything in particular that you are specifically excited about or any specific fight that you have circled on your calendar that, that you can't wait for. Um, one of the fights you mentioned that we'll talk about in this one second, but, um, you know, Bud Crawford and Sean Porter is a fight that I think I, I can't wait to see. I mean, Porter's just so tough in there. And Crawford finally has a big name in the welterweight division. You know, this is where the politics, politics of boxing have sucked because Crawford is, has been a champion for a few years. He's been shut out from fighting the main guys because the welterweight, welterweight division, division is comprised mostly of the elite fighters of PBC fighters. But now we get a great, a great matchup, you know, Crawford. And again, this is two entities working together again for a fight that a lot of people want to see. So that's a fight I'm looking forward to. And I'm really looking forward to Canelo and plant. And, you know, nowadays, no Canelo is pound for pound best right now. You know, it's it's in vogue to always say Canelo's going to win his next fight, his fight's coming up. But Caleb Plant is, is a supremely skilled fighter. Um, you know, Canelo, 
is knocking everyone out. I mean, he's breaking eye bones and just shattering ribs. And but I think that uh, I think that Caleb Plant can be a special fighter. He's got all the skills to be to be a great fighter. Unfortunately, he hasn't been matched up where he can really shine and show those skills. He he looked great when he won the fighter from Utskadagi, but he hasn't really had a tough matchup since. I think Caleb Plant has the skills to beat Canelo. Whether or not that happens, we'll see. But most people are thinking that Canelo's going to rip right through Caleb Plant. We'll see. You know, just because a fighter has great skills doesn't always mean he's a great he or she's a great fighter. They have to prove it in the ring. And Caleb Plant has the skills, and we're going to see if he can use them to fruition and get a victory over Canelo. So that's a fight that I, I don't know. It's it's kind of run on kind of running under the radar. And a lot of people think Canelo's going to beat him easily. I don't think that. I think Caleb Plant is is gonna have a special night that night. It's definitely running under the radar uh because of the continued success that Canelo has had after the Mayweather loss and just putting together a string of, of, uh, you know, all of these wins against top opposition or, you know, the draw to triple G's in there too, but the rest of them are all wins. Um, and so in a way to your point, maybe Caleb Plant isn't getting his due. Uh, I personally think, uh, Canelo Alvarez is going to pull that out, but before I let you go, let me put you on the spot a little bit. So let, let's get your official predictions there. You, you, you spoke about, Canelo plant. What did, what's your official prediction on Crawford versus Porter? Well, let me tell you first that there's a lot of people who know a lot about boxing. It doesn't mean you can pick fights because if I could pick fights, I would probably live in Vegas right now. Um, I, I think plant's going to pull this one out. I think plant's going to win a decision. And for Crawford Porter, what what are you thinking for that one? You know, Crawford hasn't really had big tests at 147. Um, and Sean Porter has. I don't know. That's That, to me, is really a 50-50 fight. Um, Crawford's another guy. Like, he's just got just these immense skills. And Porter's so tough. It seems like it's such a, a clash of, of styles that is going to to be a great fight um but that fight it to me that's a that's a pick em fight um but i can't wait to see it a lot of good fights coming up and we're on the heels of another epic trilogy fight and that was that was a great fight in fury versus wilder george thanks a lot for breaking it down thanks for the time and uh hope to keep talking boxing with you man sounds good Karen. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia at, on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. 
uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.